This is Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio. My guest is Alan Dershowitz, Harvard Law Professor Emeritus, who will be presenting the constitutional argument in President Trump's defense. Thanks for joining us, Professor. My pleasure. Thank you. So, so far, do you see any cracks in the House's case against the president? I don't see any case against the president for there to be cracks. The uh, most important thing is whether it charges uh, impeachable offenses and obstruction of Congress and abuse of power simply are not uh, constitutionally permissible uh, offenses uh, to allow impeachment. Virtually every president since Washington has been accused of abusing his power. And uh, presidents obstruct Congress all the time when they uh, invoke executive privilege. So these are not valid uh, allegations uh, for impeachment. So anything else that's going on is just a kind of political show. Professor, the overwhelming majority of constitutional law scholars, including your own colleagues, Harvard law professors, Lawrence Tribe and Noah Feldman, say you're position is just plain wrong and that you don't well, need a crime. Well, they think it was right if it was Hillary Clinton who were being impeached. In fact, uh, Larry Tribe, uh, when Bill Clinton was president, uh, said categorically that a sitting president cannot be um, indicted or charged with a crime. And then magically, when Donald Trump uh, got elected, he changed his mind and said uh, that uh, he could be indicted for a crime. Uh, virtually all of the 500 professors who signed that letter would have signed the opposite letter had the shoe been on the other foot. Uh, These are mostly partisan people who will always come down on the side of candidates they support, and they'll make the Constitution fit into the candidates that they support, and they just don't pass what I call the shoe on the other foot test. Some people are saying that about you. In fact, the House Judiciary Chair, Jerry Nadler, played a clip of you from 1998 in which you said, quote, if you have somebody who completely corrupts the office of the president and who abuses trust and who poses great danger to our liberty, you don't need a technical crime. Yeah, well, that's true. You don't need a technical crime. Uh, But I've changed my mind on whether or not abusive conduct can be a criteria for impeachment. Uh, What happened is during the Clinton days, I was on Clinton's side, uh, there was no issue about whether you needed a crime because they charged him with perjury. They charged him with a crime. The only issue was whether it was a high crime. So I hadn't done the research on that issue because it wasn't pressing. It wasn't an issue that was uh, being debated. But um, since this uh, election, when they've been pushing for the impeachment of Trump, who I voted against, Uh, I I did all the research. I've read all the congressional debates. I've read the Federalist Papers. I've read Blackstone. And I've come to a very different conclusion that obstruction of justice, obstruction of Congress and uh, abuse of power are precisely the kind of vague, open-ended, standardless criteria or non-criteria that the framers would have rejected. So I've changed my mind the way Larry Tribe changes my The way Nadler changed his mind, Nadler famously said during the Clinton impeachment, you should never impeach anybody unless there's a widespread bipartisan support. Now he's impeaching Trump on a totally partisan basis. Uh, Scholars, academics uh, change their views based on research. I did not make a partisan change. I made an academic change. Larry Tribe and Nadler made partisan changes. So I don't think they have the right to call me out on that without acknowledging also Larry Tribe called for the impeachment of Ronald Reagan on abuse of power. I mean, my God, if Ronald Reagan can be uh, impeached on abuse of power, is there any president who couldn't be impeached if the House of Representatives uh, had a majority uh, of the other party 
than the president. I think it's a very dangerous precedent to set to allow a president to be impeached on abuse of power. I'm going to present a list of presidents who have been accused of abusing their power when I speak. But Professor Tribe, who I have to say I had in constitutional law at Harvard, has said that abuse of power does merit impeachment. He's just dead wrong. He's just dead wrong. Abuse of power does not uh, merit impeachment. And I will demonstrate that. And I'd like Tribe to answer me on the merits rather than calling me names, which he's proceeded to do now. That's all he's done is hurled epithets, bonkers. I mean, basically what he's doing is calling uh, former Justice um, uh, Benjamin Curtis, the man who bravely dissented on Dred Scott and then resigned from the Supreme Court in protest, he's calling him bonkers because he made the argument, an argument that had positive impact on the trial of Andrew Johnson and uh, made the same argument essentially that I'm making. So let tribe call Curtis bonkers instead of throwing the epithet at me. We will ask Professor Tribe to respond to you. So let me ask you this. Well, ask him, make sure you ask him why he changed his mind on um, whether a president can be charged. And I'm sure he'll tell you he did the research and came to a different conclusion. But then he'll condemn me for doing the same thing in a nonpartisan way. You have to admit, though, that Almost every constitutional scholar of today, even the constitutional scholar Jonathan Turley that the Republicans called in the House, said that... What Turley said was abuse of power can be a constitution. He had to say it because he had said it in the Clinton case, so he was locked in. So he said that, but he did say that this did not constitute an abuse of power. Uh, You want to know what constitutes an abuse of power? What Richard Nixon did. And Richard Nixon was not impeached. Uh, Ultimately, he resigned. But he committed crimes. He committed actual crimes uh, and obstructed justice. Those are impeachable offenses. But um, my point is that the vast majority of um, constitutional scholars uh, not only voted for Hillary Clinton, I did too, and supported her and campaigned for her and uh, sent money to her, um, but they are influenced by partisan politics in their constitutional analysis. I firmly believe that if Hillary Clinton had been elected and were impeached on abuse of power because of, I don't know what, Benghazi or any of the things she did uh, or something she did when she was in office, that of the 500 people who signed that letter, I bet you 400 of them would not have signed the letter. We won't get to test out that theory, but let me ask Mm -hmm. you another question. You might at some point in the future. You might. If a Democrat gets elected and the Republicans impeach him, as they surely will, um, and the Republicans impeach him, as they surely will, uh, if abuse of power is permitted, then we'll see how many of the professors sign the letter. That's a good, uh, that'll be a good test. Let me ask you this. You didn't sign, I understand, the six-page legal memo filed by the president's team this weekend, and you've distinguished yourself in other ways from the defense team. Why did you agree to defend President Trump? because the constitutional issues are so compelling and because the terrible precedent that would be established if a president could be impeached on the grounds of abuse of power, particularly abuse of power, but also obstruction of Congress. I would not be in this case if not for the constitutional issues. That's why I'm playing the limited role, much as I did in the O.J. Simpson case. I was not a regular part of the legal team. I didn't go to court. I just argued the constitutional and legal issues. The same do in many other cases. I come in a special counsel on the Constitution. I've taught constitutional criminal procedure for almost half a century. I've written uh, uh, half a dozen books on the subject. I've litigated 100 cases on the Constitution. 
So I'm an expert on the Constitution, particularly as it relates to matters like impeachment. So I'm coming in to make that argument, but I'm not involved in the day-to-day strategic or tactical decisions or the decisions which witnesses to call or witnesses to call. That's a role I've played in a number of cases, and that's the role I chose to play in this case. Only about a minute here, Professor, but are you getting a lot of negative feedback or blowback? Because I'm getting you're taking only this? negative feedback, name-calling, threats to my family, uh, the most abusive, you know, I'm too old, um, I'm too this, I'm too that. Uh, everything has been an ad hominem. I'd be getting none of these things if I had decided to make the argument in favor One. of impeachment. Obviously, I couldn't make that argument because I don't believe in it. But if I had made that argument, all the same people who are attacking me, condemning me, attacking my credentials would be praising me. I wish Hillary Clinton had gotten elected. If she had gotten elected, A, I prefer that because I voted for her, but B, my life would be so much easier because I would be defending her against impeachment, and they would have built a statue to me on Martha's Vineyard instead of refusing to even uh, interact with me. So it's all a matter of partisan hypocrisy. And I stand by the same principles I've stood by since I defended the rights of Richard Nixon not to be named as an unindicted Professor, co-conspirator. We have to I have leave not it there. changed at all. We- Thanks so much. That's Alan Dershowitz, Harvard Law Professor Emeritus, who will be presenting the constitutional defense of President Trump. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.